0: Weekend. Yeah. I have to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, at least, do do you ever like add things throughout the weekend? Uh, Sometimes, yeah. It's a question I've I've kind of wondered.
0: I mean, every priest is different. I like having a text because it keeps me within a certain bound, you know? If I didn't have it, if I just did bullet points, I'd probably keep talking too long and not get the points that I was hoping to touch on. So, and then you always have a record of like what this is what I actually said. So, um, that's helpful too. Sure. but yeah, no. I once in a while I add up a little bit, or add something, or forget something, or jump around. So
1: yeah, or, or if you're like, okay, this joke landed at this mass, but yeah. it didn't land at that. Yeah, mass. that happens
0: too. Like, <laughs> I don't usually like add purposeful jokes once in a great while, but most of the time not. So when people laugh, I'm always like, oh, that's interesting. And then when they don't laugh the next time, you're kind of like, well, okay, I don't know <laughs> what's going on. I guess I didn't say it the same way or whatever. So yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that's funny. The dynamics of preaching.
1: Um, well, we'll have to do an episode on that sometime. Just talking about yeah, preaching. Sure, what it's like. That'd I'll, be interesting. I'll write that down. Okay. Um, well, uh, any kind of announcements for what's going on this week?
0: Yeah. Um. So we have first communion next uh, weekend. So this coming upcoming weekend, uh, Saturday, the six p.m. mass, which is also the last six p.m. mass. Uh, at Holy Family, so we're going to go down to three Masses starting October 3rd, Um, so that's, I kind of mentioned that at the Masses this weekend, at least down there, Um, and uh, we have first reconciliation tonight at Holy Family, so we have 24, I think, students who will be making their first reconciliation, so it's exciting, Um, first night of religious ed, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, so Mm -hmm. that's exciting, get started with that, we'll see where that goes, um, what else was there something else I don't think so I think that's it all right cool so yeah getting getting started with the those kind of things that kind of come with the school year we always start a few weeks later but um yeah we're getting we're getting rolling so
1: yeah yeah it's a it's exciting to see some some life coming back
0: yeah yeah it'll be fun I'm I'm looking forward to uh meeting with the parents that's kind of what I'm hoping to do um so you know if, if they come I hope they come so yeah it'll be be a good chance for me to get to know them and uh, understand where they're at and what their perspective is and what the things that they're dealing with are as parents. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, well, before we jump into uh, this week's episode, would you
0: open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we give you thanks um, for the way that you work in our lives. We pray in a special way for our parishioners, any parishioners in our parishes who right now might be struggling or suffering in any way. We pray for uh, Father Ben Hadrich, he's one of our diocesan priests, he was assigned up in International Falls in our diocese, he had a stroke, and so we pray for him and his family for his quick healing, Um, and we pray uh, asking all these things, asking our mother to intercede and pray for us as she always does such a better job than, than we can ever do of offering our prayers to her son. So we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed yeah. art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit the of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Yeah, thank you, Father. Um. Well, this uh, this week we are continuing on our series about the Transcendentals. Oh, exciting. Um. Which, as we talked about last week, are truth, beauty, and goodness. And last week we dove into the topic of truth. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about talking about beauty.
0: Beauty. Yeah. Great.
1: So, setting the stage a little bit about what exactly is beauty. How can we define beauty? And how can we, if there is, I guess, objective beauty, which I guess we would say that there is, like, how do we tell somebody that? what like that the way that they see beauty is wrong
0: Hmm. yeah that's a that's a that's a fascinating thing to uh to talk about i think um yeah beauty i think is probably one of the most accessible transcendentals of the three that we're kind of touching on it's something that appeals to across the board to people and like you say in different forms there is sort of that idea of we find different things appealing in different ways i wonder some of it is probably just our personalities and some of it might be our experiences or whatever you know like um someone who's gone through great suffering is going to look at like a for instance if 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 your son had been crucified and you saw an image of the crucifixion with mary the mother of Jesus standing by the cross, that might move you more particularly or deeply than someone else because you've had that experience, right? So I think when art touches on our lives, it, it can make a, a deeper impression than if if it's good art, it might impress us. Like, oh, I mean, I when people walk through um, Florence, there's a, uh, there's a museum where the, the David is, this big statue of David is carved out of marble and People are all like, Oh, this is amazing that somebody carved this but some people might say, Well, I don't really find it all that interesting to look at or other people might say it's I can't believe it, it's so amazing. So I mean I think we can all agree like it's amazing that somebody did this and it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's good art in the sense that it it uh it's it's got all these things about it that um that say, Yes, this this is a masterpiece. But um that doesn't mean we're all going to look at it the same way, or it's going to appeal to all of us in the same way. So, yeah, it's a fascinating thing to try to nail down how do you, how how does, and and, and maybe that's a, a, an area of art that, to some degree, is going to always be a mystery of how how does it appeal to me. But I think it's also interesting to note that God speaks to us through art or through beauty, um, and so there's there's ways in which again why do we call it a transcendental because it transcends or helps us to transcend what we're seeing so when we see beautiful art uh, I guess if we're calling it a true transcendental it has to take us somewhere right? it has to elevate us so when you see a Frau Angelico painting it has to bring you to a place where you're not just looking at the oh I love the colors or oh I love the um, the lines I, I had a professor who would always talk Look at these lines; they're beautiful. Hey, he was really into religious art, but he was always talking about like the form and the, the lines. And these are very strong lines. And I, I never quite—I wasn't—I'm not an artist, so I don't talk his <laughs> lingo. So I not never quite understood what he was getting at. But obviously, if you're an artist, you have a different perspective because you have a trained eye. But um, there are certain things that you look at, and it's like, wow, this really moves me and brings me to a place outside of even just image or when you hear music this music elevates my mind to something outside of just listening to this thing. And I think that's what we can say when we, we, we we're looking for the transcendent transcendent. Um, it's those kind of things that we are talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, in the catechism, it has a little section about, um, I mean, it's not about the transcendentals, but it kind of is about the transcendentals. It's yeah. about um, truth and beauty. And they also talk about goodness in there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Look at that. So, uh, but and I referenced some of this last week, but this is from paragraph um, 2,502, and it talks about um, sacred art is true and beautiful when its form corresponds to its particular vocation, mm. evoking and glorifying in faith and adoration the transcendent mystery of God. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I, it has the word transcendent right in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's just echoing, I guess, what, what you said about how, because um, there is some art that can be beautiful, but not, a, like, transcendent, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there can be that, um, but it's, but an art or even, I guess, something that would be beautiful, like um, a sunset or, like, a mountain view mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, it's interesting because some art means to do that, like the the artist is trying to take us to the transcendent right i think you look at a lot of the um, paintings that were done during the middle ages during the uh, time of the reformation during the so the you know 15 16th centuries 17th centuries when they were uh, very into like realist art like creating basically almost like photography um with art um, but sometimes different artists would do different things to kind of soften it or make it uh, transcend, I guess. Um, and then th- there's some art, whether it's modern art or other arts, that is more of an expression of the internal, of like what emotion is happening in my heart or what's going on in my life or experience that I've had or whatever. And so it's more of a commentary on me Than me trying to capture something outside of myself. And I think, at least for myself, that is a harder thing to understand. Like when you're looking at it, you're like, what is this about? Like it's so when it when it doesn't point to anything in particular, you know, (laughs) I just remember this podcast, or maybe it was a homily that Father Mike did, where he talked about a red painting or something. He's like I was sitting looking at this painting, it was just a big wall of red. And it's like commenting to somebody it's it's so red yeah you know it's just kind of <laughs> like what am i supposed to see here i don't see yeah. it you know um and sometimes art is like that it's a self-expression rather than a expression of like i'm trying to help you move somewhere i'm trying to help you transcend what is here and so i, I for myself I, that kind of art doesn't really move me like I don't usually get too drawn into it. Now, maybe it's because I haven't had the experience or whatever, but I think sometimes subjective art, which is kind of this expression of my inner self, it's, it's more of me communicating myself to the world and not trying to communicate to the world something greater than myself or something that is outside of reality or greater than what I can see. And so um, when we talk about transcendentals, again, we're always focusing on what is bringing us to God or what points us to God and sometimes art doesn't do that or doesn't at least try to do that um, purposely by the by the person who is the artist um, so yeah it's it's very interesting when we talk about art what what makes art transcendent I't do know that that's a, yeah. a conversation definitely so
1: yeah and I you can even take I really like how you kind of explain the difference between subjective and objective like in that um, like kind of just using that example and I think that um, carries on like really well even just to music and mm-hmm. when it comes to like oh, well, what, what kind of music do we allow in the liturgy Right. it's like we don't allow subjective music in the liturgy we only really allow objective music mm. that or and even I mean something like music that points us towards god right mm-hmm. we don't um even though there can be like good like christian music mm-hmm. that talks about how you know god might be working their lives or something like that it's more of a subjective mm-hmm. music yeah. right so i guess that's yeah. I could carry that on
0: yeah that definitely there's i think that's something that is often misunderstood when you're dealing with for instance weddings or funerals those are a lot of times when you have people who are not very churched who are not used to going to church maybe they're coming to church they're wanting to do a church thing like they want to do, do a funeral or a or a wedding or something like that um and they are like let's play a country song or let's play a beatles song or let's do these things and uh it's always an interesting conversation like yeah these are good songs they're beautiful songs in a sense of like i have memories that are linked to them or they they make me feel good or whatever, but it doesn't lead me to God. It's not transcendent. Like, it doesn't transcend this. And maybe yeah. they, they, they might be able to make the argument, but, but for, for me it does, because I have a memory that's attached to this song that goes to when I was with my dad or something when he was dying or when I was with, when I met my bride or when I, whatever. You know, we can we can have these transcendent things that are, but that's more, again, it's a more of a commentary on ourselves than helping, leading us as a group, as all the people in church focusing on Christ or coming to know Christ more deeply or uh, to to be led into worship of Christ um, just because a, a, a country song mentions God or says something like, well, we go to church and whatever. Whatever the song, whatever the lyrics are, sometimes people are like, well, it says God or it says, and it's like, well, that's not enough, you know? It needs to transcend. It needs to help us all worship and, and seek God. So, um, I think sometimes we're too focused uh, we're too focused on ourselves and not enough on like what is it we're trying to do here but that's more of a commentary i guess for another time but
1: yeah um this is uh i guess this is kind of switching gears a little bit but uh bishop Barron, hmm. um he has done a lot of stuff on the transcendentals and i'm being i mean i guess i've Listen to his stuff for quite a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. And um, he has this one talk that like, he gave probably a couple of years ago. And it's always kind of stuck with me. And he talks um, really about beauty mm-hmm. and how we're kind of living in a time that we don't like our culture, doesn't really like truth. We don't really like hearing truth. And we don't like looking for the good either. We like looking for the bad
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times. Yeah. And so beauty, uh, for him, because he, k- he kind of looks at like how can we use um, truth, beauty, and goodness as like evangelization tools. Right. So he kind of talks about how beauty is the best way to evangelize. Yeah. Because in our society, we don't like truth and we don't like the good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really love the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that can be twisted at times. Yeah. But he talks about how beauty is one of the best ways to evangelize. Sure. Um, uh, which, which I think is like, an, is a very interesting, um, top, like, or I guess thought because yeah, there could be somebody who, you know, going and telling them like, Oh, here's some truths of the Catholic church. That's probably not going to work for most people.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> and even, uh, I guess goodness. Uh, we'll kind of guess get into that next week. Um, but beauty, like, I mean, really, probably somebody who doesn't even believe in God could walk through St. Peter's and be like, oh, this is, this is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they're like, oh, I don't really like, um, like, this isn't my style of art. But I, but nobody can say, oh, this isn't that cool. Yeah. Like, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, or I guess even similar with like, um, with a, like a really cool sunset or sunrise. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, no one's going to like, look at that and be like, uh eh, not my thing. Yeah, like right. everyone's going to be like, "Oh, that's cool," even though, yeah. you know,
0: yeah, it's, yeah. uh, you can see about this about a lot of things that, it's it's a little fuzzy how to describe it or how to define it, but when you see it, you kind of know it, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, whether you're talking about something good or something bad, um, but yeah, I think beauty is one of those things, even though there is sort of a subjective aspect of. Uh, beauty I think by by and large, we can say when we see something beauty, whether it's in nature or whether it's art or whether it's music or whether it's um, a different kind of beauty, um we can recognize it and we we say, Oh, that's beautiful like that's that's a good thing or that's yeah. that that helps me th- take a step back from myself or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think we've all been captured in moments in our lives, probably, at I hope we all have at different moments by by something beautiful that is just stunning or whatever in such a way that um it really does move us outside of ourselves, and um, I think that's what Bishop Barron was getting at is it's just kind of part of who we are as as human beings that we're drawn to beauty. Maybe even more so than truth and goodness, in sort of a natural way, like because we—it's like right before us, right. Nobody has to expound on truth. Nobody has to, um, you know, point to something of goodness. It's before our eyes. It's before our ears. We hear it. We we see it, and we just know, right? So there's a certain sense of just our who we are as human beings. We have a natural. Inclination or a natural ability to recognize beauty and are drawn to it. So um, you don't need to be trained. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can develop certain attuneness or awareness. Like if you are tone deaf, you might not <laughs> look at music the same way as somebody else, or if you are blind, you are not going to be looking at art in the same way, you know. But um, so there is things that can inhibit or whatever. But overall, I think naturally we are made. To, to see beauty and to sort of uh, take it in so um, God puts it there for a reason
1: yeah um, so this is I guess kind of building off of that last thought but there's a Russian author that I'm gonna d- kill his name
0: <laughs> Russian names yeah
1: uh but it's uh, Fy- Fyodor Dostoevsky. Oh. Dostoevsky?
0: Yes. Dostoevsky. I can't remember how to yeah. say it either, but yes. But he's... Um, Brothers he, Karamazov yeah, and yeah. Crime and Punishment and yeah, there, th- ones. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So Crime and Punishment in, is, I think, one of his very popular books because it's the shorter one. Mm. And then there's Brothers Karamazov, which That's I, a tough one. I, I read that a couple of years ago and it was really good, except for that I didn't understand it at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the names are so tough. <laughs>
1: And, um, and then he wrote another book called I guess it's called The Idiot, which I've oh, yeah. never I've never read that. But um, there's a quote in that, and I guess I don't really understand the context. But I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and the beauty uh, or the quote is that beauty will save the world. Hmm. And I've heard like a couple of different, um, or I've been in some different like discussions where they've, people have like brought that up and used it as like this kind of thing where, like when we look at um, times where, like, culture's kind of breaking down and we don't really like the true and the good, Mm -hmm. how beauty is one of those things where it's like, yeah, beauty will save the world Mm. and how we have to um, really hold on to beauty. And it kind of got me to think about how, like, the world is, the culture is kind of attacking the, like, truth attacking goodness but it's also attacking beauty Mm -hmm. and I guess yeah how how do we try to have that uh, or how how do we protect beauty without um or I guess I guess it probably like make people mad but like how how do we really um hold on to beauty in in our culture today Mm -hmm. because beauty is being attacked um
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, there's, there's there's certainly a vocation, uh, artists, right? There's so art, artistic people are, (laughs) they are sometimes, they just have a different way of looking at the world sometimes. And I, I think in many ways, um, it's sort of a thing that you're you're given it's a gift that you're given you can you can do so much by training and by um honing that skill but if you're like somebody like a Michelangelo or somebody who just is given this this huge amount of ability um they're meant to to kind of share that with us and and help us uh see beauty and so it, i think you know for artists today and for people who are, uh, aware of art, I think having that recognition of like, this is a vocation. This is a, um, a call that I have to, to preserve beauty and to, to point to true beauty and to, um, uh, you know, it's, I I would say similar to like in the medical field, we need, we need good professional medical people who hold to, Truths of our faith and uh, uh, the the things that we believe, you know that I'm I'm going to always nourish the body and care for the body. I'm never gonna hurt the body or do things that would that would uh, be uh, in opposition to the health of the body, et cetera. You know, like things like assisted suicide, for instance, like that's becoming or physician assisted suicide or whatever. These are things that our medical people are having to deal with. What do I do in the face of this? Likewise, in the in the area of art, sometimes what's promoted as art isn't that helpful, and we need like a new birth of like people who are willing to do good art, so that because again, when we see good art, we're like, wow, that is great, that's am- that's amazing, or that's beautiful, or that that music is just compelling. Um, but if you're never exposed to it, if all you ever have is Like subpar and substandard, um, you might just say, "Okay, this is this is all there is," or, you know, "This is what this is what is defined as beautiful or beautiful these days." And so, I'm gonna, for us who are not artists, we might just kind of settle for that, you know. So I think there's a sense where, if you're in that area or interested in that or been gifted in that area, you have a you have an obligation to. To pursue, in a sense, this question of what is beautiful and what is what is what is beauty for? What is what is it meant to do? What is it meant to elicit in us? Rather than just turning it into this subjective thing, where it's like I express myself or I express um, things that are not bringing people to Christ or not bringing people out of themselves to a greater good, so. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rambling on here, but I guess what I'm saying is we have an obligation to um, to do our part to preserve true beauty each in our own way, but I would especially say those who, um, who are gifted with artistic abilities, whether it's in music or painting or drawing or whatever, these things that... Um, and I think, you know, these days a lot of stuff is done uh, on computers and that stuff, like animation and all these things, so uh, it's kind of a new generation of artists. And how are you called to to use these gifts? And um, I don't know. I think trying to use art to communicate good things, uh, trying to use art to communicate um, truth, to communicate beauty in a way that elevates our us to to something greater, rather than than just being all about I'm going to do whatever sells or I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to communicate this worldview that I want to, you know. So being in touch with it, I think maybe what I'm trying to say is to be a good Christian, to be a good Catholic, you need that foundation so that you can be a good artist in in the sense of what we're talking about here, to transcend. If you're, if you're not rooted in these things of our faith, then how can you communicate them to the culture, you know? And so um, I think it's hard... It's hard in that world right now to find good training that's connected to our faith. Um, in many ways, our university systems, I don't know about art, how people get trained in art. I mean, there's art schools and sure, that sort yeah. of thing. But I, w- I, th- I would imagine a lot of them are um, more subjective and focused on more subjective than transcendent. Um, there's a good... Uh, there, there's a man that I know that was in seminary with me, and he went to art school after seminary. He's married now, but he's not. I don't think he's doing actual art, like he's not doing it for a living. But he's trained in like classical art, and like that's a beautiful thing. And I, I always think, oh man, we should get Kevin to do some art because he'd be. I want to. I want to encourage him in that because it. It's something that it's hard to make a living by. I think, uh, but it's something at least when i knew him it it seemed like it was something that gave him life and so it seems like god gave that to him to use. and so if he's not using it now i'm kind of like ah, oh, you need to there's like there's something there but yeah i don't know
1: and i think i think that's something it's probably really hard to i mean make it as an artist anyways like unless you Get very big within the secular culture probably there's not a lot of money in it
0: (laughs) most isn't it like most good artists die before their stuff is like popular or good or whatever it's like oh we love your book oh wait you're gone or we love this poem or this this painting oh they're gone you know it's like maybe these days because things turn around so quickly maybe it's beginning to change but um yeah I mean I guess there's like pulp culture right like there's people get into the music or whatever but
1: yeah um And so I think that's, you know, there's something there, but then also, I mean, you can kind of look around and be like, you know, we don't, I I don't think our current like Catholic culture looks at art the same way that we have in the past. Right. Because, I mean, an easy way to do this is go to churches in Europe Mm -hmm. and then come to churches here. But like, these look a little different, Yeah, you know, I think like. I mean, that's just something that, uh, is, I mean, it's super noticeable going over there, um, which I mean, they have their own issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but going to some of these, you know, churches in Italy, um, or uh, I, I guess I've only been to Italy, so, um, but I'm sure you know in France there's, you know, yeah. multiple, um, awesome cathedrals. But even just like the, normal churches, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, they're. Which I mean, they were built when there was, I guess, certain architecture styles were yeah. big. But, yeah. but, but you can also like look at those and be like, okay, that like that's beautiful. And then you look at some of the churches that we're building nowadays and be like, oh, they look nice, yeah. but I wouldn't say that like, wow, that's a beautiful
0: church. Yeah, yeah they're very functional in so, many ways. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it is interesting that you have to talk about that. What, why were those churches built like that in those years? um it was there's something to be said like okay this was their focus like this was their thing um we would maybe look at our own times and say what what is it what's our thing like i would maybe point to like a stadium or uh like a whether it's a football or a baseball or what like we have these huge things that we spend tons of money on and we're willing to do it um and you know we people might say like look at it and say like why did they do that why were they so willing to spend money on something that in the end didn't matter or didn't change anybody's life uh, in the sense of like you know they're playing a game right and mm-hmm. people might look at the churches in in Europe and say the same thing like why were they so willing to spend all this money on marble and all these beautiful frescoes and these beautiful paintings and why were they so willing to to work so hard to make these things like for something that in the end didn't do anything. I mean, you could make that argument like that it didn't do anything. It was just this, they were just going there to pray. I mean, we we as Catholics would say, it did everything like this is what it's all about. And I would make that argument still. But I think to your point, how it's different, we look at things differently. Um, When churches were being made here in the United States, 100 years later, 200 years later, some of them were... Built very differently because we looked at art differently, or we didn't didn't have the same perspective of how important beauty is to help us to, to know God. You know, um, architecture helps us to know God. All these things, we've kind of lost some of that, and we've kind of said we've kind of gone for the baseline. Like, let's make it functional. Let's make it, um, you know, and you know that's kind of an American thing in many ways. Like, we want to, yeah, when, when it comes to our homes, we're willing to maybe. If we can we're willing to spend a little bit more like oh I want to make this little special thing or whatever but with our public buildings in many ways that they're just very they're they're very functional right like going to a nursing home it's like well, here's the you know, the classic painting on the wall of the the lake or whatever or the mountain or you know but we' we're focused on kind of the bottom line how do we run this thing well and and make a profit off of it. And uh, you know church, church architecture, church art, any kind of transcendent art, in some ways, we don't do it for the money, right? We do it because it helps us transcend. When we go to church, we want a, a structure that helps us to elevate our minds and hearts to God so that something that brings us out of this world into something else or points us to something else, something outside of ourselves again. And so beauty is a huge way to do that when it comes to the structure of the building, how it's made, the things that are in the building. Um, when you use very simple materials, when you use things that are kind of um, just... Every, if, if, if you go into your church and it looks just like a stadium or it looks just like an auditorium or it looks just like a, um, a gathering room or something, and there's nothing that pulls our eye or pulls our attention... Or helps us to think outside of what we're, what we're um, experiencing right now. That I think it, in some way, it's failed to transcend. Right? We just are here, and all we have is each other. And isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's very interesting. You know, it's, it's a lot more can be said, but
1: yeah. Uh, great. Well, thank you. Um, I think, I mean, that that's all that I have. Do you have any uh, final thoughts about beauty?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think I maybe just say um, we need beauty. We need, um, like you said, I love that quote um, that you mentioned about it will be beauty that saves the world. Um, beauty is undeniable in its true s- true sense and true form, um, and so we we need beauty. Um, in our lives, um, whether it's in our churches or in our homes, whether it's the music that we listen to. So don't be afraid to, to seek beauty um, maybe outside of the box or maybe even just revisit some of the things that the church offers as beautiful from the past as a way of kind of saying, I want to be formed in true beauty of what, what people found beautiful in the past so that I can recognize it here in the present. Um, It's going to be different here in the present because now we're in the present, but maybe it will help me to appreciate beauty. So whether it's in music, architecture, painting, art, all those things, uh, natural beauty, don't be afraid to visit the past and see what's there. So I guess that's what I would say.
1: Great. Thank you, Father, uh, for your wisdom once again. (laughs) And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening back home and we will see you again next week.